So good morning, everyone. My name is Linda Getson, and I'd like to welcome you to Church of the Palms. I am the clerk to the session for the church, and I'm also the president of your church foundation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you are the one that knows. And then he said to me, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And for this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let us with them worship God.
On this All Saints Day, we remember those blessed by God's forgiving grace in the past. That same grace can be ours this day. Relying on that grace of God and love, let us pray our confession together. Eternal God, in every age you have raised up men and women to live and die in faith. We confess that we are indifferent to your will. You call us to proclaim your name, but we are silent. You call us to do what is just, but we remain idle. You call us to live faithfully, but we are afraid. In your mercy, forgive us. Give us courage to follow in your way, that joined with those from ages past who have served you faith, hope, and love, we may inherit the kingdom you promised in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. God is indeed faithful to all of us. The promise of grace is ours, and God has forgiven us and made us anew. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Now, as forgiven children of God, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we greet one another in Christ's name.
Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. Looks like you have recovered from your Halloween celebrations. So many of you wore your costumes though, I'm surprised. But <laughs> we are so glad that you're with us today on All Saints Day. And we're grateful that we will in a moment have a chance to remember those who have gone before us in the faith. We are thankful for your presence here as we join with the saints in worship. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads in the pews. And again, we'll encourage you to put your email address on that uh, little form so that we can make sure to be in touch with you throughout the course of the week in case something should develop or if there's some immediate news we want you to be aware of. That's our best way to get to you and we would love for you to let us know how we can do that. A few things to call to your attention. We are uh, getting ready for our annual rite of bell ringing for the Salvation Army and uh, it's not too early to get your name on the sign up form and you can do that after our worship service today underneath the tree. Uh, be aware of how we are in partnership with that great ministry in our community to the homeless and to those who are struggling and we would love for you to join us. Take an hour, a couple hours over the course of Advent to ring the bell for the Salvation Army. Uh, you'll be the better for it. So sign up underneath the tree. Next week is our new members class and we would love for you to come and learn about membership here at Church of the Palms. If you're visiting with us, if you are a winter resident, if you are just kind of coming and going but would like to sort of take that next step with our mission here at Church of the Palms, we would love for you to do that. That will be next Sunday after our nine o'clock service. Next Sunday as well, we'll be looking forward to the Sound of Freedom concert, which will be at 4 p.m. here in the sanctuary in collaboration with the Pine Shores Presbyterian Church. It will be a great time to uh, celebrate our veterans and to be in uh, worship and praise for all of what is going well in our country. So we invite you to join us for that at four o'clock next Sunday. And then our singles ministry will be having uh, a gathering tomorrow night. And if you'd like to learn more about that, or if you'd like just to kind of show up and be a part of that, we would love to have you join us this coming Monday night, tomorrow night over in the campus center. The uh, little uh, flyer in your bulletin shows the names of all those who have preceded us this year in a death. These include uh, members of our church along with some of their family members and as well some friends of the church. Uh, we invite you of course to uh, take that home with you and to review that after our worship to reflect upon those who have gone before us and to give thanks for their lives. But today in our worship service, we like to call your attention to our liturgy, which is at the bottom of the second page of our worship, the Litany for All Saints. Will you please join with me as we remember those who have gone before us. God of all ages, we praise you for all of your servants who having lived this life in faith now live eternally with you for disciples and martyrs and saints of every time and place. We praise for those who have served bravely, witnessed faithfully, and whose light still shines in the world. We for those we have known and loved, who by their faithful obedience and strong hope have shown to us the mind of Christ. We for those of our church family, whom we now remember in silence.
Keep us grateful for their witness. Give us a sure faith that we may, without fear, trust those who are dear to us to your never-failing love, and then, at the last, bring us with them into the inheritance you have promised in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now continue our worship and in that same sacrifice of the saints with our morning offering.
Let us pray. Most Holy Father, giver of life and source of all that is good, we know that all we have received is from your hand, and we give you praise and honor and glory and thanksgiving. We bless your holy name as we lay before you our tithes and offerings as a token of our love and our belief that you are who you say you are in your written word and as you have revealed yourself to us in the word made flesh. We ask your blessing upon these gifts and upon every giver, knowing that it is more blessed to give than to receive and that we cannot outgive you. May our faithful stewardship bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ here in our community and throughout the world. We pray with grateful hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Lori. It's like the Pied Piper, right? Does that story end badly? I don't know. Hi, guys. I love this church. Gosh, for so many reasons, but for one of the reasons is that we have this opportunity to sign up today to ring the bells that Pastor Steve was talking about. And you know why? <laughs> Mr. Jonathan's kind of messing with me here. So, so do you know why we might ring the Salvation Army bells? Because Jesus told us the most important thing is to love God and to love others. And this is one really easy, fun way to love others. You know, another thing I love about this church is that we do this thing called the narrative lectionary, which means that wherever you worship, whether it's here in the sanctuary or over there in the garden, we're all doing the exact same Bible passage. It's like we're a united church. It's like in Bible terms, like we're a united kingdom. But that's what our story is about today, how the Israelites had a united kingdom, but it got split in two. So, Sam, I know you already know this, but here's, I'm going to give them a little recap, okay? All right. So, the Israelites whined and complained that they wanted their own God, and God finally goes, their own God, their own king, and God goes, fine, I'll give you a king. So, he gave him Saul. Then he gave him David. Then he gave him Solomon. Now, these kings weren't perfect, but they did keep their eyes on God, and they kept the kingdom together until... Solomon had a son named Rehoboam, and we're going to call him King Ray. So, here's what happened. King Ray has to make this great big huge decision, and I'm wondering if you had to make a great big huge decision, who might you ask? Who might you talk to? Sydney, who are you going to talk to? If you have to make a great big decision, who are you going to ask? Um, God. Oh, Sydney. Excellent place to start, to talk to God. Once you've talked to God, is there anyone else you might talk to? Kai. Maybe yourself. Talk to yourself. Excellent. Yes. Maddie. Talk to your mom. Oh, thank you. Yes, that you would talk to your mom. Maybe your dad. Maybe your pastor. Maybe your teacher. That you would gather some wise people around you, right? That's what King Ray did. He gathered these wise elders around him, and he goes, what should I do? What should I do? And here's what the elders told him. They said, you know what? Don't be so hard on your people. They'll work for you, but just give them a little bit of work. Treat them with respect and kindness, and they will serve you forever. 
Now, I don't know if King Ray didn't like that advice, but then he got his friends around him, and he goes, what should I do? And they go, whoa, dude, you're the king of this land. Make them work as hard as you want. You show them who's boss. Oh, I don't know if you get this. Let me show you something else. Hmm. Who here loves broccoli? <laughs> wow, didn't expect that. <laughs> so now you're going to have to pretend that you don't like broccoli. <laughs> There's no cheese sauce, as my friend in the back told me. So pretend that you don't like broccoli, right? He asked the wise counselors, those wise men, and they said, King Ray, give your people just a little bit of broccoli, but give them lots of other good foods, and they will serve you forever. His friends said, they don't like broccoli? You're the king. Make them eat broccoli for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Heap their plates with broccoli. They don't get anything else. You're king. You show them who's boss. You know what happened? The people left him. They're like, we're not following a king like that. They got their own king. The kingdom split in two to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There's lots of lessons that we can learn from a Bible lesson. But this one, I wonder, when we have to make a big decision, like Sidney said, first, talk to God about it. Second, talk to those wise people in your life, like your mom. Think about it through your own filters. Ask a pastor ask a teacher, and then, and then, see if it's within that framework that Jesus tells us of the most important thing. Does this decision help me to love God and to love others? Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we ask that you guide us for all of our decisions, big or small. Please, please, Lord, put wise people in our lives to help us on this journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. continuing story of, the God, of God as we have been reading through the pages of scripture finds us today in 1 Kings, the book of 1 Kings chapter 12 beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Rehoboam went to Shechem for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. Then Jeroboam returned from Egypt and they sent and called him and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore enlighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke that he has placed on us and we will serve you. And he said to them, go away for three days and then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the older men who had attended his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? And they answered him, well, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, they will be your servants forever. But he disregarded the advice that the older men gave him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and now attended him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? 
And the young men had grown up with him, said to him, Thus you should say to these people who spoke to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you must lighten it for us. Thus you should say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had said, come to me again the third day. The king answered the people harshly. He disregarded the advice that the older men had given him and spoke to them according to the advice of the young men. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people because it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah Shalonite to Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Our second lesson is from the gospel according to Luke, the second chapter beginning at the 41st verse. Now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, and when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. And then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. 53 years ago, at the height of the Cold War, the world came, as far as we know, the closest it ever has to a nuclear war. History calls it the Cuban Missile Crisis when President John F. Kennedy and his administration learned in October of 1962 that, so, that the Soviet Union was beginning to stage nuclear missiles on the island of Cuba, just 90 miles south of our fair state. This was an unacceptable development for the United States government and it placed President Kennedy in the unenviable position of having to decide among a list of very risky and potentially dangerous alternatives what would be the response to this Soviet's acts of, act of aggression. One false move could lead to another false move and before you could do anything about it, the world could for all intents and purposes be destroyed. 
To do this, to make this decision, the President gathered his most trusted advisors, men, and they were all men, from the military, from the cabinet, from the law. And for 13 days, these men became the President's Council of Advisors. And it's not an overstatement to say that the world and its future hung in the balance of the counsel these men were to give to the young President. Our presence here this morning suggests that for the most part, they gave him good advice. I was four years old when that was happening, when the president was assembling his trusted council, totally oblivious to what the world was facing. Oblivious, of course, because my world was just a little bit smaller. The real politic of my life had not to do with nuclear arms and blockades, but with negotiations around the most recent conflict my friend Randy and I had across the alley. Or how many vegetables I had to eat, broccoli included, or what time I had to go to bed. My world was pretty small. And yet at the same time, it was when I was around that age that I began, like most of us, to assemble my very own council of trusted advisors. That's what children do, right? From pretty early on, so but subconsciously, you and I gathered in our minds the people we could look toward for trusted advice. For many of us, that instinctively became our parents, and then beyond that, to perhaps a friend or two, or a sibling or two, or a teacher or two, or a person from our church or two. This rather informal group of folks who served as our council of trusted advisors. Omar Bradley, the World War II U.S. general, in his biography tells of coming out of high school with no real direction. His plan was then just to simply work for the railroad, perhaps to get some money that he might later go to college. His Sunday school teacher, a man whom he trusted and who had seen him grow up in the church, suggested that maybe he should sit for the entrance exam at West Point. Bradley took his trusted advice, the advice of his Sunday school teacher, and the rest is U.S. military history. As children and as young adults and as older adults we are, aren't we assembling this council of advisors that might help us to understand what direction to go? Ne ne never do we get them all into one room, of course, but instead we, we hold kind of a meeting somewhere up in our heads and down in our hearts. And, and when we find ourselves at some fork in the road or at some catch-22, we kind of gather up this group of advisors in our minds and in our hearts and we wonder what might they say to us? And in some ways, our little world hangs in the balance of their advice. One could say that was true from the very beginning of the story of God. The Bible tells us that from the very start, the, the world has hung in the balance of good and bad advice. Adam and Eve hear the counsel of God to enjoy the whole garden, but, but not to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then comes the serpent slithering into the room and takes his place at the table and wonders if maybe the better option is to go ahead, give it a try and the world has hung in that balance. So it's interesting to see 
that as Luke would tell us the story of Jesus, when the story of Jesus begins for him, it's when Jesus, the young man Jesus, decides to expand his council of advisors. He's, he's done his best up there in Nazareth with his mom and dad and brothers and sisters and maybe the local rabbi, but now he's come to Jerusalem at the ripe old age of 12. He can't keep himself from the temple council, from the teachers of the law. Even when his family tries to head back home, young Jesus can't pull himself away from this expanded council of advisors. And as a result, Luke tells us, he increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. So the whole story begins with the old man, Adam, listening to the serpent. And then it continues with the new man, Jesus, listening to the elders of the temple. And the world has hung in that balance. And so it was for the people of Israel when the history of God's people shifts from King Solomon to the leadership now of King Rehoboam. And from the outset, Rehoboam has a choice to make. Does he continue in the oppressive ways of his father king? Or does he change course and become a more gracious king in the, in the legacy of his grandfather David? What will be the trajectory of Rehoboam's administration? And so Rehoboam count, gathers together not just one council, but two. The, the first of the two is the council of the elders, the council of those who've been around the block a time or two. And the second is the young bucks, the ones who think they know more than they really do. And from the elders, the young king receives the guidance to, instead of being the hard guy, to become a servant of the people, to exercise the power of grace and not the power of dominion. But from the young bucks, the counsel is, turn up the heat. Whip him with scorpions instead of whips. Show him who's boss. And the young king weighs the advice and likely out of his own insecurity he listens to the wrong crowd, and the kingdom of Israel falls apart. The balance of the world has tipped in the wrong direction. We are so vulnerable, aren't we, to advice? Because, you know, along the way, we have, right, been collecting this council of advisors in our head and in our hearts, these folks to whom we have given access, perhaps even to the deepest regions of our lives. And while we may be 10, 50, 70 years past our youth, somehow those folks still show up. Our parents are at the table. Our first boss is at the table. Our last boss is at the table. Our spouse, our older brother, our younger sister, our wise college professor, our best friend, our worst enemy. Somewhere and somehow along the way, we gather these advisors and they take their place at our table. And so much of our journey is who, as we yearn to share our journey with the Creator and the Savior, so much of that journey has a lot to do with who we're listening to, who has our ear. Our little world hangs in that balance. And don't you wonder if that isn't a part of the reason why the church in its history has always had a time when we pause and remember the saints. All Saints Day 
Surely it's a time when we fondly remember those who have preceded us in death, a time to give thanks for those who have, who have fought the good fight and finished the race and kept the faith. But maybe it goes even deeper than that. Might it be that the church pauses before the saints because of all people we would want at our table of advisors, it would be them. This too often silent majority. For it has been over 2,000 years that the saints of the church have been roaming about either in this world or the next and add a couple more thousand years of Old Testament stories and we have this incredible cast of those who have been around the block a time or two and are eager to find their place at our table. The writer to the Hebrews calls it the great cloud of witnesses. Since we are surrounded, he writes, by such a great cloud of witnesses. Can you imagine that? That long before the iCloud or the Microsoft cloud, there has been the cloud of witnesses. It's what the whole story has been about. And not just in the pages of the Bible, but in the pages of our own church history, the great saints of the church and the great saints within our own lives, the great cloud that surrounds us with open access. It's so tempting though, isn't it, to, to gather up just the young bucks, to listen solely to the counsel of those within sight, that small and arrogant oligarchy, wrote Chesterton, of those who happen to be walking around. Oh, but to think, that we could have at our table the saints, the patriarchs and matriarchs of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, the early church fathers, uh, Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Mother Teresa, Simone Weil, Dorothy Day, Bonhoeffer, Bart Lewis, no, not to mention that person dear to your own soul, that person who for you so personally enfleshed the way of Christ. Oh, to think of these and so many others hovering about us in the great cloud of witnesses, yet whose books we have not read, whose lives we know precious little about, whose sacrifices remain hidden in unmarked tombs. When you walk out this morning, we are going to do as much as we can to get into your hands a copy of our monthly Connect magazine, a great summary of our church's life in the next month or so. And when you open up that magazine, and you will open up that magazine, <laughs> and turn to pages 10 through 13, you will find in those pages over 25 opportunities throughout the week when you can take your place among the saints, Bible studies, small groups, classes on the spiritual life. We have one of the most knowledgeable Bible teachers in Sarasota, Del Valrath, who teaches twice a week. Seminary trained pastors who teach throughout the week. Incredibly gifted lay people who teach throughout the week, introducing us to the saints, inviting us to walk amidst the great cloud of witnesses. I thought of this a Saturday a week ago when we were doing our trunk or treat out in the parking lot. Children and families invited to dress up in their costumes and stroll through the little village of biblical characters we had in our parking lot. 
And they came dressed in their best, Spider-Men and Minions, Power Rangers and Pirates, Elsas and Olafs, walking amidst the cloud of witnesses, Moses and Sarah and Joseph and Mary and Noah and shepherds and angels, and each of them telling their stories, witnessing to the goodness of God in a scary world of goblins and ghosts the great cloud of witnesses. And so we too arrive from the scary world onto this campus, dressed in our Sunday best or in our flip-flops and t-shirts. We have arrived and when we do, we are greeted by the great oak and by the waving palms. Oh, but so much more, the communion of the saints, the multitude which no one can number, whose hope was in the word made flesh and who worship with us but upon another shore and in a greater light, the great cloud of witnesses and who would know more than they the balance by which our lives are held. The good counsel, the bad counsel, and who would want more than they for us to choose the right fork in the road that one day we may join them upon that other shore and in that greater light and that it would be said of us that we too have fought the good fight finished the race and kept the faith.
it is an amazing reality to wonder about that as we come to this table, you and I, we gather up with the saints, all the saints, that from that very moment when Jesus came together with his disciples, it was the beginning of the communion of saints. And they join us today. They are in our midst. They are here to witness to us all that is good and true. And so friends, you are invited to come here, of course, to receive the bread and cup, to again, be in communion with the Holy Spirit and to recall the great sacrifice of our Lord for the sake of our lives. But you are also called and invited to come to join with that communion and to know that you're never alone and that these shall walk with you, guiding you and directing you as you make your journey to that great place. Here are the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we so want to be a Christian deep in our hearts. We would yearn, O oh Lord, that not only as we come to receive the gifts of your great sacrifice to remind us of the sacrificial way of Christ, that we would also be aware of the presence of your Holy Spirit, the presence of the great saints, that we may know that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that we can pursue our followership of Christ. Lord, we pray that you will join us at this table and that even in this moment, we may be keenly aware of the great kingdom of heaven. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
And he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us safely home. We are grateful, O God, that you have refreshed us at your holy table alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ across the globe and down through the ages. May we who have experienced the grace and generosity of your gifts here today Bring the refreshing light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others wherever we may go. In his name we pray, amen.